Black it was the friendship for me. <laughs> it was the directed by a woman for me. <laughs> it was the brains on fleek the whole film for me. It, it was, was the, the acting for me. I was just about to say that. <laughs> Same. It was the makeup lessons for me. Oh, it was God. the using the initiative for me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. Should we say mm. it was the ticket barrier hopping for me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the bumping trays with chest for me. <laughs> I can fully relate. Mel <laughs> <laughs> just fighting herself out. I don't really. I was jo- joking, obviously. She said I can relate. <laughs> if, if any officers are listening, she didn't admit to the crime. She said I can relate to the desire to do so. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diaspora Collective podcast. My name is Delali and today I am joined by Abba, Dominique and Mel. We are continuing our Black History Month focus by getting a little nostalgic today and also shining a light on International Day of the Girl which just passed over the weekend. So we've decided to do an episode on Black Girl Magic. As an ode to black creatives and storylines and journeys, we all spent the weekend watching Rocks on Netflix and we will be relating key themes in the film to our lives growing up as young black British girls. Sidebar, it's also our 10th episode. Gang, 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 (laughs) gang. So a big thank you to everyone who has tuned into any of our episodes, encouraged us and inspired us to make it to number 10. So guys, how are we all doing today, this fine evening? <laughs> guys, we've got a fruit fly problem. Oh, I want God. people thinking that we're dirty, but we've got fruit flies <laughs> everywhere. And they fly right up in your face. So as you can see by my reaction, um, I'm getting really sick of it. We were there on the weekend and there were, there were a lot. Not gonna lie, I didn't notice them. You think... were asleep. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the exposure like five minutes in. <laughs> I can't party on that like I used to. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. mm, we move in it. How mm. cute though! Ten episodes. That's twenty weeks of. Um, content consistency girls from the most chaotic group i'm so proud of it i'm shook i'm actually surprised we all have major commitment issues just with anything i'm really shocked that we made it this (laughs) far 2020 Um, year the black girl magic for us i mean we're still chaotic 2020 has been ghetto apart from this to be honest (laughs) (laughs) hello the only good thing molly how are you doing I'm good. I'm excited to uh, talk about the film Rocks. I really enjoyed it. So, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a spoiler. <laughs> not a spoiler. We it. said it in the intro. <laughs> spoiler to my opinion. <laughs> um, Delilah, how yeah, are you doing? You know, there's, there's a lot going on in, in West Africa, in the motherland. Mm. Yeah. So obviously there are some really traumatic and um, intense events transpiring in Nigeria that have actually go- been going on for a long time. As these things are when they come to the news, it's just that we hear them late. Mm. And like people have obviously been struggling for a really long time. 
um and obviously coming from a country so close to nigeria we like obviously do stand in solidarity with everybody in nigeria who has experienced violence and oppression at the hands of the sars unit um and it's just a continuation of the same issue of police brutality that we've discussed a lot like it is a global mm-hmm. issue even at the hand of other black people it just shows mm-hmm. like the the legacy of violence from colonialism so we just even though that's not what we're going to discuss this episode we just wanted to say that we really do stand with everybody who's been affected by it both in nigeria but in diaspora communities as well mm-hmm. yeah i think um patricia bite she like tweeted something really profound and essentially said like as part of the diaspora sometimes it's really hard to know what to do when things back home are not okay Mm. but we can't just forget about our family who are dealing with this on a daily basis and our voices have to be used all over the world so I think this is just kind of our way to acknowledge that things aren't okay and and that we stand with with you know the victims of the survivors of those who are currently struggling and fighting out there and this is not like just a one-off but this is an example of how we can actually use social media in a positive way and you Mm -hmm. know actually learn for ourselves learn what's going on in the diaspora as well as you know educate others and spread the word about things that are going on and what can be done and you know what to read what to um maybe donate to if that's possible and stuff like that so yeah, there's some links that I've seen. Um, I'll definitely link them so we can include them in our follow-up resource. <laughs> <laughs> it was going so well in our follow-up resource roadmap. Um, but yeah, like, just Patricia's, what she was saying was so profound. Like the final, but I think we should say that she said, um, is obviously is Black History Month, but she said it's Black History Month, but people actually forget that Africa is Black history and the Black future. Mm. So mm-hmm. I think that just sums up why we need to support action um, with what's going on with SARS perfectly, particularly this October. Mm. We all have a duty. We do indeed. This is something really different. I'm really enjoying this little homework vibe that we had going on. Oh, yeah. absolutely. We had a homework assignment, guys. <laughs> it was actually like, fun. Which is so fitting for the theme of the film as well, because I was like, oh, I'm doing homework, and it's all about, like, secondary school experience and stuff, so it was cute. Um, but, yeah, like, I think this is an interesting and personal topic and kind of, like, exercise for us. Um, I was just thinking about how, when we think of history, we kind of conceptualize history more of like an academic topic or we think more about like collective history but sometimes it's really great to circle back to like our own individual stories when like individual journeys without our identities as part of history um so like before we kind of get into the episode um it wasn't just the idea of history that inspired us or like the kind of like nostalgic feelings we have towards the film but i think like mel also pointed out one of the reasons why the film was really great for us to engage with plus those those elements historical elements and nostalgic elements was because of like the concept of black girl magic mm-hmm. um and what it means to grow up as a young black girl so yeah melissa do you want to come and give us a little <laughs> um knowledge bomb about like where the black girl <laughs> magic movement kind of came from um well the black girl magic movement kind of was popularized in 2013 by Kashawn thompson 
I mean, I think the concept was just born as a way to celebrate the beauty, power and resilience of black women, as described by Julie Wilson from HuffPost, but also to congratulate women on our accomplishments, which I think is so important because often we're not celebrated in the same way that a white or, I don't know, other ethnic minority groups. Yeah, so I just think it was a really positive movement in general. And it kind of evokes sense of, of sisterhood, everyone being together and a really supportive part of our own identity, which I think is so, so good, especially for young black girls as well, who are seeing like things on social media, you know, and even for us growing up when maybe this kind of narrative wasn't pushed as much. Mm, now, yeah. you know, it just really gives you a sense of pride to see it. I know some people have an issue with it and say it, kind of feeds into the whole strong black girl, I don't know, narrative, narrative. as well. But mm. I don't know, I, th- I personally think of it as a really positive thing. And I think it just shines a light on us in a really, really good way. And also a really accessible way, mm. just through Instagram, Twitter, every, like you can log on and literally type in the hashtag and see a million sources straight away mm. that like, you can relate to straight away. I think just going off of that point, uh, Mel, I think that was quite a good um, way to start just to contextualise what we mean by black girl malik, ma- malik? magic. <laughs> but um, I think one of the key things that I actually wrote down when watching the film was the use of social media and how that they how they included that in the film and mm-hmm. like. I know we had a different kind of relationship with social media as, you know, when we were growing up in secondary school as young black girls. But um, I don't think like MSN or I don't know, maybe Bebo or like Tumblr was like Pixo. as image. Yeah, yeah. Pixo, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Swear I learned to code, guys. That full HTML code just to get like a sparkly little thing on your name. Yeah, I just I don't think the relationship that you know was that was portrayed in the in the film was the same one that we had. So I could really Mm. see some parallels, but definitely see some differences. And I was Mm. just really thinking to myself, like, I the way that I would have been bullied (laughs) on social media. I just like pictures of my orange hair when I tried to go blonde <laughs> things that you just can't delete off the internet like it would have just been mad so yeah I don't know I kind of it's a double-edged sword like as much as social media was the birth of or like could or resulted in the birth of hashtags like black girl magic and made people accessible and relatable um, it's also like the flip side as well of of stuff like that like what the girl experienced when you know someone made a post about her saying that she was a liar and a thief um also even when the black girl magic hashtag came out i think there was a bit of kickback in there was a hashtag saying white girl magic as well as always on time that train arrives on time every single time every day I do kind of see what you mean, Dom, literally. <laughs> literally, we can't have one thing. We actually can't have one thing. <laughs> but then isn't that really telling as, like, 
it's like why can't you just celebrate it or why can't you understand why there has to be very honest they shouldn't have to be they shouldn't have hashtag for black girl magic realistically there shouldn't be but there is one because why because we're not celebrated as much as our counterparts so then if you can't really recognize that and it's like white girl magic for why when you're already seen as like the standard of beauty for most people Mm. which i do think is changing though which i think is great yeah but Um. the fact that if you're seen as like the standard of beauty why can't you understand that other people once they want to be celebrated too definitely i feel like the that it might seem small like the hashtag of like black girl magic and stuff but i feel like the concept of having something that like mel said recognizes like black women's beauty power and resilience is so mm. important just because of like we have gotten this far off the backs of so many black women and black mm. like young girls who were children at the time who had to remain strong when they didn't want to be strong, had to be resilient when they didn't want to be resilient. And that has advanced humanity to such a point. And I feel like it's an important hashtag for us, but also like to pay homage to how many of us in the past have had to go through so much trauma. Mm. Um, And to me, it's just like, it's very frustrating that like you said, that the hashtags always come, but I feel like we can do a whole episode on why whiteness is considered the norm and every single Mm. time people try and change the lens from from whiteness that there's pushback and and then there's fear um but i think we should continue to to have stories like rocks and stuff that centralize Mm. this narrative and also show like the linkages between like these experiences and these journeys because there's kind of like a cyclical nature to the stuff that rocks went through like as a young black girl that's just happened in history in different ways for lots Mm. of young young black girls because of like societal events um or like political decisions and things like that definitely you know what actually like i really loved about the film also (laughs) if we didn't do spoiler alert not from mel's um, opinion but just in general (laughs) spoiler alert if you haven't watched the film stop now and watch it and then restart or if you don't mind us talking about it please continue but on the idea of black girl magic I, I don't know if you guys saw the picture um it was from a group of girls for black history month this um from a school and they all went yes. to school with their natural hair i literally um, just saw that today yeah. yeah i was trying to i can't remember i'm trying to find what the school's name is it was i can't on find it it was from their yeah. school account right yeah i think well the one i saw was from an account called k the braider um and it's basically like all the black girls came to school with their natural hair and oh my gosh my heart it's like it was just so happy because I was just like I remember being that age and actually not even necessarily being that age even still even to like into early 20s not feeling proud of having my hair because it just doesn't look a certain type of way or I can't manipulate it the way I want to and the idea that all these girls and I kid you the picture has at least 20 girls in the Mm. picture you know all with different curl patterns you know with some with big afros with small afros with longer with looser curls and i just think it's so beautiful because it's embracing all forms of black beauty um it's not necessarily saying that oh because like your hair may be more um you may have like tighter curls or looser curls one is more beautiful than the other it's like all of it is and i just think like at that age to be able to embrace your black beauty as well as your friends as well i just think we're really moving in the right direction Mm -hmm. really and truly also another thing that I um really liked about the film is that they actually cast young young women. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you know how the CW network just oh, always casts like God. twenty to be fifteen year old five year old man playing a seventeen year old vampire. Like, <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Vampire diaries. I'm at yeah. you. <laughs> so that was something that I really appreciated because it was really capturing 
certain it def- and definitely like reminded me of certain aspects of girlhood like mm. when they're sitting outside like doing each other's hair doing each other's eyebrows like the selling of the food like oh know. my god so so yeah i was gonna say like how did we how do you guys like what was super nostalgic for you and like what was your response to like the representation of like the journey of like black womanhood and black girlhood because mm. i find it so interesting that like okay we're all in our 20s now we probably went through like the story at Rox's age like a good decade ago, but so oh. much of it was just like it's so. I was like, oh my god, this is so nostalgic for me. Do you know? Sorry, does guys. it not feel it's like it was true. like yesterday we were in school? Because Darn. you know what got me? You can still I fit think... into my uniform. I mean, oh well. Yeah, same. <laughs> Some of us can't. That's a bit mysterious. No, still. <laughs> But um, you know what got me? I think even just the opening credits of when it was all the girls together and it just made me, I was just, I was like, mm. it's so like multicultural, like mm. all of them are, they're from different countries. You know, some of them wearing a hijab, like wearing a headscarf, you know, there were the white girls as well in their group. And it actually made me think about like our friendship group in Townley, like with Del and I, like it was, there was all different. We were just like an array of girls. And it's just, it's just crazy. Cause I just thought it was so beautiful. And it was like, it wasn't just, necess- and there was nothing wrong with the fact that, you know, some girls would all hang out with just black girls or some would just hang out with just all white girls. But that was more nostalgic for me because it just really reminded me of exactly what mm. our school group was like. And we had, then... used to have a song. <laughs> and that's one thing this I like. The the I'm not going to sing the song because it's so embarrassing. There's seven parts to the song. We can't have a song do. about all the different countries that we were all from. That's like, so cute. It was so Oh my cute. gosh, didn't we just do a random one like from PE? And you remember... <laughs> it was like... I'm not even, I really want to sing it, but I'm not going to do it. I'm so touching, but I'm not going to do it. But I liked the fact that they were making songs about everything because that's definitely something that I felt like we spent a lot of time doing. Mm. One of the things I really loved was when they had a dance class and they actually did a performance to Afrobeats music. Yeah. And it made me think that, like, Abra and I went to, like, a performing arts girls' school and, like, dance, dance, drama, and music were mandatory mm. up until, like, year 11, right, Abra? No, it was up until year 9, actually, because it was up until GCSE. Remember, we picked our topics. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was reflecting, I was like, I don't remember where we were given the opportunity through things that are so rich like the arts and stuff to experience other cultures and to bring in like other forms of dance or other forms Mm. of music and stuff like that and I just thought it's really cool to see that in a film and hopefully that's like mainstreamed in education now because like the dances we were doing I was like "Mm." (laughs) like we would have to do like ballet and tap and stuff which is great but we didn't see anything else Mm. and it made I know like for like I guess a young girl who wants to be a professional dancer if you go to performing arts school and you don't see those dances recognized as like you know like what's the word I'm looking for valid yeah exactly I guess like valid forms of Mm. dance respected incredible forms of dance then it's it's like how does that make you reflect on like your own cultural ways of dancing and things like that so I really loved that moment yeah I think actually on saying on your point in terms of like seeing different cultures like in school especially in performing arts I think on the flip side is also really good thing in terms of if you were trying to get into the professional aspect like how many like dance companies do you necessarily see that there are black people in or like because I think I only know about a handful of like dance companies that are like centered around black people centered around black people or like you know people of color (laughs) (laughs) Um, and stuff like that so I think um I think it's like on the flip side as well but 
everything about that film is nostalgic from the hair from like the uniform from the way they used to hang around at lunchtime and, and you know what's <laughs> so beautiful it's toilets. like yeah and what's yeah. so beautiful is the fact that they went all on their phones because i think that's very how much we were like because social yeah. media wasn't a massive thing then so you know not everyone would be on their phone like they're all interacting with each other all having a good time that was the positive aspect of it though yeah i really liked it i think from like the start it was just like the emphasis on friendship especially like female friendship between all cultures was really really Mm. beautiful like the friendship between rocks and samoya was literally stunning like it was so cute and even I was watching um, interviews between the cast earlier today and they're like really good friends in real life. And I just oh, felt that like it was really man. reflected in the actual like film itself. I think even the first quote that came up, like in the opening credits was like real queens fix each other's crowns. And I just thought that was so important, like for even people our age to mm-hmm. see that. Mm-hmm. And then if like people are watching on Netflix, they're quite a lot younger. I just think it's really nice because school can sometimes be especially all girls school sometimes from my experience can be a little bit catty so mm. it's kind of nice oh, to see it portrayed yeah. where people are actually being in general pretty nice to each other yeah. but did we, we touch on girl school yeah we did yeah i just want to touch on like you know what i was saying about basically different cultures being represented really beautifully one thing that i really did like was how the smiling culture was represented because mm. i haven't I, i'm pretty ignorant i didn't know that much about that culture like especially at the time and I thought it made me realize how underrepresented it was mm-hmm. and also in the way it was portrayed was so I don't know I find it really moving like with the, the wedding and then like all the it was portrayed really in a vibrant way in the house mm-hmm. of the sisters I just loved it I really, really liked how they didn't have subtitles for when they were speaking Yoruba or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, girl, I don't know what's going on, but that's okay. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> it's like, well, that's how everyone else films like films, you know what I mean? When yeah. people don't put subtitles on on English films. That's such a good point, Dom. Um, also another point that I really liked or like an uh, aspect of the film that I thought was really like rung true to the adolescent experience like growing up was just like this they all just wanted to be older like they were all just yeah. walking around <laughs> too big for their Literally. boots like trying to just like be like hanging out with older boys like wearing makeup <laughs> like having piercings like lord knows my teachers would have such a nightmare with me and like my two facial <laughs> oh my god I was creasing when when they're like the, in the beginning where they're all coming up the stairs and the male teacher was like you with the sunglasses yes! you with the earrings <laughs> you with the air forces because that was literally i was on your Euro- oh like uniform reports every <laughs> single day you know, those <laughs> every time would be like your shirt's not tucked in your skirt's too short she should be wearing tights why are you wearing socks so short your socks need to be up to your knees not down your ankles lord have mercy girls if we have young girls that listen, it's a scam. Adulthood is a scam. Enjoy being young. <laughs> Older boys, they're trash. They're basically 12 in their brain. So it's not it's not something to be also those boys impressive. those boys that were in the um in in the film. Mm. I was like, what are you doing hanging out with like 13 year olds? No, but that that's <laughs> where that was the reality though. Yeah. Like that it's one true. boy was that's like true. every yeah. every creepy guy that just used to hang outside school and come pick somebody up and you're thinking like you're legit 19, 20, 21 years old. Like what yeah. are you doing? But it was here seen with as cool to like your friends, wasn't it? Because it's like, oh my gosh, there's someone who's older. Yeah. And you're just like, oh wow, but then really you're like Really, they're a bum. That's why no one that age. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's really, really 
if they've got a job, do you know what I mean? Where's your job? Do you know what I mean? If you're available between hours of nine to five to come and wait outside of secondary school. I've literally written hanging out with older boys with like a being sick face. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. No, it, it was, was not. Oh my God. <laughs> But um, I think the rep, like the like the aesthetic representation of the girls, was really like really nice as well. I think growing up when we were younger and we were watching a lot of black girls on TV, you wouldn't see a lot of stuff, not just around hair, but like you wouldn't see a lot of natural hairstyles. Like mm. you wouldn't see a lot of like diversity in body shapes of like mm. black, specifically black girls. I think for black girls and black women to be on tv there's a really narrow stereotype of what you need to look like that is so much more specific than i think what other people need to look like especially when it comes to body types as well um and i just found that like really refreshing um especially like rox is a main character like they didn't like properly make her up to to the nine she had like mm. braids like she looked like an actual young black girl yeah. and I know one of the problems in media when we have a lot of representation around black women is there's like an over sexualization of black women or a lot of the time there's black like a girls. need to portray black girls a lot older than what they are um like with the whole like cuties <laughs> scandal mm. and stuff like that like that stuff ha happens a lot when you have representation of um, young black girls in stories so I found that really refreshing <clears throat> No, definitely. Especially because black girls now, I can't, I can't lie to you, at the age of 14, why do you have a frontal? Honestly. Because... Who am I going to for an install? <laughs> like, you should be having tracks with natural hair poking out. Or dark like, and we lovely. We all have to go through... Oh, dark <laughs> and lovely. <laughs> no, guys, do you remember premium? The premium weave hair? No. You know premium? And the premium... And the premium what, in the blue pack? Yeah, and the premium two was the expensive... Oh, Oh, I wasn't allowed to have birthdays. a weave, you know. My mum banned me. I was yeah, never I was allowed allowed. to have a weave. And I used to cry. I was fuming. <laughs> I literally was fuming for years. I was like, I hate this. Like, yeah. Why do I have to have braids all the time? I what just want it? my, like, blue <laughs> dip-dyed weave. <laughs> but don't, you're right. Awesome. Like, it's so telling because I just think the girls actually look their age. And even from the way they talk, kind of the way that they think is very indicative of like what actual teenagers thinking about <laughs> during that time period but um i think it like it moves on really nicely well not nicely because it's quite sad but in terms of like rox's story um and kind of what she went through and i think feel like not necessarily everyone goes through it but like a lot of black girls sometimes have to grow up a lot quicker than mm -hmm. they should and in rox's case like um her mum left because of mental health issues which is something that we will touch on as well um it wasn't necessarily like the main focus of the film in terms of her mum's mental health issues specifically but more in terms of like how rocks had to deal with this like kind of the aftermath of her leaving so mm -hmm. how did you guys kind of like find that part of the film i can't lie when you said because the film at first you were like it's a really like good um feel good film and i was and then when i watched it i was like look at like, i was like tearing up at that part like when she realized her mum was gone and i was like so sad mm. I feel like as well like you can see throughout the film like bits of her innocence almost getting taken away like every single day mm -hmm. her mum's not there like at first she's quite passive and then by the end she's in the hotel and she's like you know kind of reacting quite I wouldn't say violently but you know she's emotional and for for good reason so I feel like it definitely it really struck a chord 
Mm-hmm. I think with I think with any viewer really, and the scene where her brother gets taken away is honestly heartbreaking. Oh. And I think it's oh, so oh. important as well to see like a black girl break down in moments of tears because those mm-hmm. emotions happen to us all, mm-hmm. and like you're kind of sometimes tied to the notion of being a strong black woman or being aggressive or being angry like no we're just human like everybody else and I think the way they did those moments where she was crying and like zooming into the tears and stuff was so Mm. important and really really necessary for the story. I think there's also a lot around respectability politics in the black community as well and it's not something we talk about very frequently Um, so that's why I think for example like I don't remember I, I don't know if you remember that H&M advert where they had like kids playing around and then the black girl's hair was like so scruffy or like viewed as scruffy mm. but she was just playing her hair wasn't like perfect it wasn't like pinned down it wasn't neat and they got so many complaints they were like how could you put this black girl on on like on your website and you've not even done her hair and the whole point of it was like kids playing like all the mm-hmm. other kids were as well, but I think the amount of backlash that that got just mm-hmm. signified this idea that like your hair always needs to be done. You can't do certain things, like you can't go swimming um, because like it won't be done. And I think just to relate it back to um, the film, it's like she felt as though that she couldn't tell anyone mm-hmm. and, ha- and not only was dealing with it, w- with what had happened to her on a personal level, but also had the added weight of having her younger brother to look after and then also feeling like there was no one else she could turn to um and also not wanting to turn to Mm. sort of local authorities or social services or or not knowing exactly what the right thing was to do I think that's kind of how I related back to that yeah I think like um with in terms of like crisis and things like mental health and things like seeking help I think with for young black women there's like double pressure so in in the black community well I can't speak for the whole black community but I can kind of speak from my knowledge of like the West African community I don't know how this Mm. compares to like other black communities there is a lot of misconception around things like mental health Mm. there's a lot of misconception around things like motherhood and the responsibility so like when her grandma was like some people just aren't cut out for motherhood Mm. rather than actually motherhood is really tough and especially when you're a single mother, which unfortunately, because of how society has <clears throat> structured black families, a lot of black mums are single mums. They carry a significant burden and then you have to somehow navigate that yourself. Um, and then from the other side, like Dom said, there is like the distrust of like local authority, external services and stuff. We know that like there's really bad statistics for how like black women are supported when it comes to mental health services um so I really like for me it was like a I was really hoping that other people that would watch it it would be like a wake-up call Mm. for like the experience that young black women have in terms of accessing support because sometimes it can be really difficult to figure out where you can get that from um for her there was like a desperation because she just generally didn't feel like she had any options which was super Mm. heartbreaking Mm. I think it's definitely hard as well because at that age I, I can't speak in terms of like from a, an older sibling yeah, like you girls can <laughs> um, in terms of what it's like to be an older sibling and always having to look after your younger siblings and not that you've been in that position but just in the position of always 
of the elders being the example yeah, um i feel like definitely. yeah of course and i think also the note that um her mom left when it was like oh i know that you'll do the right thing i know you'll look after your brother i feel like she may have taken that as in terms of like oh i can't ask someone else for help or external help because it's almost like i would let my mom down because she expects mm. me to look after my younger brother and i just can't imagine how being like a 14 15 year old and having that much responsibility because boy 14 15 you're like boy year nine year 10 i thought they were like, like year 10, 10 i think it's year 10 because of gcse yeah right? so at that age like i can't even imagine I, I couldn't even look after myself i mean sometimes i still can't i'm 25 but <laughs> <laughs> so imagine having to do that you know not having a job and you know not even understanding how the world works really because you're actually still very much in a bubble when you're still in secondary school or like high school for our (laughs) overseas Mm -hmm. listeners um so i think it i think it was represented really well in terms of what the actual mentality of a teenager would be in that situation and i think it was so heartbreaking how she felt like she couldn't tell her friends but i guess it's because I guess at that age, if you go back to being that age, did you talk about stuff like that with your friends, like really heavy stuff that was going on in your life with your friends? No. I don't know. I feel like we... I don't know, because like, I felt like our friendship group it was a bit like EastEnders. You know, some of the stuff people <laughs> go through, I was thinking, this is dramatic as hell, we're 14. So I feel like we would tell each other some stuff, but I feel like there's also, when you're younger, there was a big kind of pressure from comparison, right? You don't want to, like, feel like you don't have what other people have it's a lot easier to reconcile when like the the conversation she had with Samaya about like you've got the perfect life you've got your Mm. mum and dad and all that stuff that stuff is a lot easier to reconcile when you're older I feel Mm. like when you're younger you do feel really exposed if your life isn't like other people's around you or if you're the odd one out so I feel like she was responding to that pressure a lot and it's all about how we teach younger generations to have more open conversations about like crisis and needing support and like not feeling so much shame and stigma and that things aren't your fault. Like I found it so heartbreaking when she was talking about her mum and she was like, I was never one of those kids that like shouted at my mum and like swore at my mum and she still left me. Like just having conversations with younger generations to know that like it's got nothing to do with them when you face adversity um, you're deserving of being able to get through this and you shouldn't like feel like you're a bad person and that's why these things are happening to you so I definitely resonated with that and I feel like that's something that I will take away like speaking to like my younger siblings and stuff mm. and my kids one day hopefully so I think that was you covered quite a lot there <laughs> that was a lot there um and thank you for sharing um but yeah I think it is what's that um what is that saying? That's like comparison is the thief of joy. Joy. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> and I think because when, when you are young, you're just like, you just want to fit in. So anything that happens to you that isn't like, I guess, quote unquote normal. I mean, you know, it is growing up is really hard. Like being a teenager is really hard. Like being an adult is hard, but like you find a sense of yourself almost like so you're grounded in a way that you like if someone says something or like doesn't talk to you for a day like you're chill like I will not die but like when you're 15 and you come to school after a day of not like mm. going into school because you've been ill and then someone's sitting in your seat you're like no one wants to be <laughs> <friend."> <laughs> like, it's very very hectic um mm. so yeah I think what I kind of took away in terms of 
you know the scene where she's on the phone and she thinks it's her mum or someone's trying to tell her about her mum and the teacher's like screaming at her Mm. being like get off your phone like I think a lot of the time like teachers kind of I don't, I don't want to say typecast, but like they expect you that like that you're naughty or that you're doing mm. something wrong because you're not acting a certain way in class. But half the time that you're going through stuff that they have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like I can't really speak from personal experience growing up, but I had a couple of friends who had some really like very, very, I mean, they're far too young to be going through what they were going through. Um, and there was always this like, um, not demonization or like criminalization but like yeah kind of just like making them out to be like very bad girls but like really they were just like going through a lot mm-hmm. um so that's something that i definitely saw like come through in the film as well yeah i think that's that's a really good point point Dom, that you said especially about um how they're almost demonized just based on like how they are but i think that also can link to the importance of representation in every sector mm. of life because I feel like if girls, especially in a girls' school, kind of had, like, black teachers, especially black women, there may have been that comfort level to feel like they can kind of talk about these situations. Um, Maybe because they may feel as if maybe you'll understand what I'm going through. Um, And I think it happens, like, not even just in schools. I think it's very important in schools, especially when you're younger. Um, But I think also even in the workplace and stuff like that. And I I can speak for myself in the sense that um, in the job that I'm in, I'm very blessed. It's a very like female dominated um, sector, but I know that I want to be an example to younger black women to be like, yeah, there's like, we're in this sector and you know, we're doing the damn thing. And I just want to one day be an example for people, be able to open doors for like young black women as well. And actually all women, but especially like young black women. And I just think like in, um, in the school, I think, I don't think there was, one oh no, I didn't see there was one, one black, black there was one black teacher the one that went to her house to check on yes her. yeah yeah exactly and it just shows like how caring like it's almost like she clearly saw there was an issue mm. and was able to recognize that without rocks actually even saying anything and actually went and you know went about a way to check on her and I just think it's so important to do that and I think it's important to just have representation like where possible because lord knows young women need it it's like it's not that like obviously having a teacher that isn't black can't empathize with you if you're struggling like with, mm. as a black student but there is like something about who you feel safe to rely on and to approach and who kind of looks at you differently i don't know about you guys but i feel like in our school there was like an unconscious bias in terms of how like some of the black girls were viewed in our school especially if we were going through things so like I went through a turbulent period when I was young and the way that was handled by some of the staff members just was not helpful. And I found that some of the like black staff members were a lot more understanding of what I was saying in terms of like what my experience in life was that made me like struggle. Um, And sometimes it's just about having people around who can understand like the nuances of your experience. That whole thing we're talking about like rocks feeling like she had to protect her brother. Like she had to step forward it's easier to explain that to somebody who has that same level of like cultural expectation or whatever it is that kind of made her feel like that. So Mm. I think that's why it is so important. Um, Yeah. Also, I feel like, um, I feel like another like strand of that with having representation is someone who can encourage you sometimes a little bit more because from my experience, I was sometimes put down by some white teachers and things, but then by a black teacher, I wouldn't have that same 
kind of message when they were talking to me about what I wanted to do when I was older. I think even the film, one of the girls says, oh, I want to do law. And the teacher's first response is, oh, well, you need higher grades for that. Like, mm-hmm. rather than saying, oh, how can we do this together? Yeah, she says you need how... plan B, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. like, it's, it, even things that like really resonated with me, because I was told I wasn't going to get into my uni, that was going to fail the year at school. And then I got into the uni at the end of the day. Oh, look at them now. So I just feel like <laughs> it's really important just to, I don't know, just have, I feel like sometimes if you can see a black teacher with a black student then maybe they can empathize a little bit more maybe just be a little bit more encouraging Mm -hmm. I don't know I just think it's really important because you're so vulnerable at that age as well to other people's opinions especially absolutely Um, I think it just shows like how much we relied we relied on positive like educators when we were younger just generally like regardless of how they identify just having like teachers who can spend some extra time understanding you supporting you like keeping you inspired and motivated is really important Um, yeah i just want to circle back again to the mental health point because i don't think we've really been talking about that and i did quite a lot of Mm -hmm. kind of looking into that um thinking about the film and the way that um rox's mum was portrayed um so i think abba you mentioned on saturday was uh, mental health awareness day yeah um and i think last month was suicide prevention month as well not too sure i think it was september um but yeah i just wanted to like mention that you know although we are fortunate to live uh in a generation where mental health or having mental health issues is less stigmatized like her mum uh probably wasn't and i think also just in like i think like you said delilah like in african well you suggested like west african cultures like um not being or not being able to understand like what exactly mental health issues are or like how to deal with them um but i was just looking at a few studies because i know there's a lot of um statistics around mental health in the in the black community um in both the UK and in America. Basically, there's a study that suggests there's a, a bias in, in misdiagnosing black people with major depression and schizophrenia. And the mental health detention rate um, is over four times higher in black people than their white counterparts. Um, and this can be triggered by um, a lot of external factors as well so talking about unemployment rate poverty low education standard and exposure to racism so i think that these are structural societal issues that contribute Mm. to the like the prevalence of mental health issues in black and baby communities so it's not only like i know we look at mental health as you know it can be a um what is the word cognitive imbalance of certain um hormones in the brain um but they're also um sort of more structural social um contributions as well um so i think there's like an interview or on a book (laughs) i'll link everything but it's like on how schizophrenia became the black disease and it's an interview with jonathan metzel who i suppose is some sort of doctor and basically he said in the mid to late 1960s he uncovered um that hospital charts diagnosed men um because of their symptoms but also because of their connections to the civil rights movement so like Mm. wanting to protest 
and um, kind of fighting for civil rights was actually viewed as a symptom of um, schizophrenia at one point. So I think that's Smart. really, really like important point to bring up as well. I'm just going to leave it there. I don't really know how to unpack that. Wowza. Um, I think it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Um, but kind of moving forward, guys, what was your favourite part of going um, to secondary school and being a black, young black girl? We had a little discussion about this on WhatsApp the other day about some of the things that like really made us laugh. Who was it that mentioned Dream Up Moose Foundation? Me. <laughs> uh, I think I had a really hard time at secondary school. I think going to a girls' school is really tough. I think going to a grammar school as well, the pressure and expectations on you is really tough. And then also growing up as an immigrant in a different country where you, your parents kind of emphasise the importance of education and how that's going to be the thing that kind of paves the way for you to have a better life is also <laughs> very tough mm -hmm. so I think like I grew up with a lot of expectations and like obviously like, I'm a bright girl like I'm gonna own it but yeah. it's it, it's like um you know it is a lot um to deal with and I think I had you know I had some really good friendships I'm still friends with some of the girls that I went to school well yeah Girls that I went to school with, girls I've known for, I mean, Delilah and Abs, I've known you since I was like 10. Um, so I would say those are probably the things that I appreciate most about my experience. But like, I don't know, I think the like kind of carefreeness most of the time is what I appreciated about school and like how you'd like go on these little trips together like to the beach or to blue water mm -hmm. like, like, you're allowed to go to the beach, the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. we went to like canterbury went to rochester castle like we'd like plan trips and, like living. just go went to go to london as well we went, we went to greenwich raves greenwich was london. <laughs> <laughs> no but that, that was the trip the trip was we went to greenwich you guys <laughs> suffered no we did i'm oh, sorry you two were living real today like <laughs> us Mate, <laughs> Blue Water, that was a treat. We used to go to Blue Like, you know what? That's why in the film, when they went to Hastings, I was like, you guys are smart. I mean, obviously, we're not encouraging you to to bump trains. Please don't do that. <laughs> but they were so smart because I was like, in my big age now, I'm only just understanding. Why are we tube. staying so local? We should have run away further. Okay, relax. No, no, no. No. <laughs> run away to away with it. As long as we were both there. Did you, uh, that's true, I can't lie. your mum listens to this podcast, she's going to be like, run there! <laughs> what, you <laughs> ran away from? Pauline's going to be straight on the phone. Sorry, we don't agree We're going to be coming in hot. You said what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm grown now, it's fine. Yeah, but Dom, definitely like what you said about being carefree. And Do you feel like you can only really laugh and say and actually understand how much you un you loved being a teenager back then because you can look in hindsight because during that time period it probably wasn't easy for like a lot of us especially with like wanting to fit in and you know wanting to keep up with trends and stuff like one of the ways i exposed myself was straightening my 4c hair relax <laughs> we used to suffer the the way I like... suffered for a full fringe no, but honestly guys, what business no, no, what business guys, do my 4C like, curls have honestly, being a no, full, guys, I can't, full like, fringe my hair's, not, my hair's like 4Z and I've said this before like it's not even 4C it's not even manageable so to, to come and 
relax it and then add extra heat to try and get a bump at the bottom. A bump for it to, for it to, for it to move like like my white counterpart's hair. And it's where's it flicking to? Who did I think I was trying to flick my straightened, relaxed hair? It wasn't moving because there was oil in it. So yeah, it's um the sizzle. <laughs> oh my god, it used to burn your scalp. You know those was when you could smell the hair straightener. Like my parents were coming and be like, "Did you straighten your hair?" And I was like, "Hair's literally burning off." Oh my god, I've actually got all sorts of things We need to do a hair episode soon because there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack. So true. But the problem is, I feel like because we couldn't, because I feel like nowadays where um you know a lot more styles are coming in and go and like girls are so talented now with in terms of doing their own hair like wigs and stuff like that and makeup and stuff like that like we had to really um experiment we had to back then because there was because there wasn't a lot of access to any of these things so I think there's a beauty in with the film seeing how they were like just you know 15 year old girls living their damn life like you know not focusing on stuff like that and thinking about how we did and where we are now because i think as a 20 something we don't need to expose ages here um <laughs> as a 20 something it's only now you'd be really i feel like we're really coming into our womanhood as well and really embracing how we are like our skin and how much we love our like our blackness as well like our blackly mm. blackness definitely i really liked the purity of how they spent time together like when she was like oh you're not coming out i was thinking oh they're gonna go to a rave and then they went to rooftop and they were just chilling with like lollipops and they were just like cackling with his little brother and they were cracking (laughs) jokes about like how they can't share the same foundation tone and stuff but i was like this is so pure like why don't we just spend time like this anymore? Like, we could just go sit somewhere and just hang out with each other. Like, I feel like socialization now as an adult, there's an expectation that you have to have a plan or you've got to do something bougie or, like, you got to go somewhere. And I really liked that, that they were just, like, together and they were laughing. And I think as much as, like, going to an all-girls school as, like, a young black girl can be really toxic, it did teach me a lot about sisterhood and I think it taught me a lot very early about the value of female relationships and I'm really happy that I'm so comfortable around women and like I have strong circles of women because it's so important to the development of of who you are to realise like there's unity in our stories like no matter how different they are and to find those commonalities so Mm. I really liked that that's one of the things that was really nostalgic for me I thought it was so, I just really loved it in general. I mean, I kind of agree with what you were saying about just seeing them do nothing. And also what was really nostalgic for me was I'm really close to my siblings and then seeing Mm. that portrayed in like a movie as well was really touching, like the little jokes that you have and the secret, like, I don't know, looks you do to each other, like even with or without your parents' presence. Like I just found that really, really sweet. And even, I, I don't have any brothers or anything, but I can imagine it being the same with brothers. You know, you kind of have that bond. I really loved the bit where the girl was like, the black girl was doing the baby hairs of the, the white Oh my girl. God, I wrote that down. <laughs> that made me laugh so much. I'll crack it up. In the back oh of God. the classroom. Some of the stuff we used to do in the back of the classroom, we actually had no respect <laughs> for educators. Guys, that, that gelling of edges, I remember I used a hair gel and gelled my edges to the life and it was it was slick, like slickerick. I came to school feeling A1. By the second period, second it period, flaked off. It flaked <laughs> off, but the flakes had turned orange and I didn't know. 
And someone was like, oh, but what's all the orange stuff in your hair? And I was like, what? I went to the toilet. The whole front. Was like, <laughs> oh, I just had to use water and get rid of the... <laughs> I do like that. What I do like about that, though, is I like that when we were younger, some of the stuff we used to do was weird. And other people who weren't black didn't understand it. And now, like, that slicking your edges is so mainstream that you can yeah. do that with your white friend in the back of the classroom. And no one's going to think you're weird. Because white really girls are doing that. it too. Because they, nice. they slick their baby hairs that are already slicked. Honestly. So I think there's a, there's, there's a downside, obviously, for us mainstreaming mainstream with black culture and we'll discuss that but i think it is nice to know that like there is acceptance in the mainstreaming of black culture as well mm, i bet kim kardashian really regrets lazing off her baby hairs now i oh, know right she every really time she does to do she, every time she does to do, tries to do the baby hairs i'm literally like the struggle you are forcing it like you're people, actually oh forcing God. it she gets dragged on twitter people are like those hairs are in an old people's home like <laughs> talking about baby hairs they're literally geriatric they are so long like all the way down to her chin embarrassing are you not embarrassed <laughs> this is embarrassing um bella rose's influence is so strong to finish up our final comments we thought this quote by Yara Shahidi on Black Girl Magic kind of finalised our general consensus within the group so she starts being a part of this re-emergence of a movement both pro-diversity and pro-woman is the best part of being a black girl it's more than I stand for this because I should I stand for this because it's part of who I am as a human being and we just felt like it underlines how basically we should embrace all aspects of our black womanhood and that black girl magic for all listeners is an intrinsic part of who we are and like our unique power that we have. And we know that often being a black woman is portrayed as being negative, but we just really felt like Yara really underpinned the positivity and also the pride that we personally feel and we hope a lot of you feel for being black women or whoever you may choose to identify as so yeah i our final comments just in honor of the continuation of black history month and also international day of the girl just passing we just want to encourage you all to engage with um films and stories created by black creatives storytellers um and films and stories um that portray black narratives positively um we've been spotlighting this on our stories on instagram so we'll create a little highlight you guys can go on our instagram page and check it out and like even fictional stories teach us so much about the black experience um what it's been like in the past and how we can move forward to ensure people are less marginalized in their communities um and equally it's important to face the reality of how historical events have played out and shaped the way that we experience the world today um and what the reality is for specific individuals or identities and black stories fact or fiction really help us do that so yeah thank you so much for listening to this week's episode uh, we publish episodes every second thursday you can follow us on spotify and find us on instagram at diaspora understand underscore collective and on twitter at diaspora c pod where you can find our follow-up resource roadmaps for each episode and other posts related to issues close to our hearts thank you for listening thank you Bye-bye.